Good afternoon. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your conference facilitator for today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Manhattan Associates first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer period. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star and then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Also, as a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, this call is being recorded today, April 27th. I would now like to introduce Mr. Eddie Capel, the CEO, Mr. Dennis Story, the CFO, and Mr. Michael Bauer, Head of Investor Relations of Manhattan Associates. Mr. Bauer, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Jeff, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Manhattan Associates 2021 first quarter earnings call. I will review our cautionary language and then turn the call over to Eddie Cable, our CEO. During this call, including the question and answer session, we may make forward-looking statements regarding future events or the future financial performance of Manhattan Associates. You will caution that these forward-looking statements involve risk and uncertainties, are not guarantees of future performance, and that actual results may differ materially from the projections contained in our forward-looking statements. I refer you to the reports Manhattan Associates files with the SEC for important factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those in our projections, particularly our annual report on Form 10-K for fiscal year 2020 and the risk factor discussion in that report, as well as any risk factor updates we provide in our subsequent Form 10-Qs. We note in particular that uncertainty regarding the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our performance could cause actual results to differ materially from our projections. We are under no obligation to update these statements. In addition, our comments include certain non-GAAP financial measures in an effort to provide additional information to investors. We have reconciled all non-GAAP measures to the related GAAP measures in accordance with SEC rules. You'll find reconciliation schedules in the Form 8K we submitted to the SEC earlier today and on our website at manh.com. Now, I'll turn the call over to Eddie. Thanks, Mike. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us as we review our first quarter results and discuss our updated full-year 2021 outlook. Manhattan Associates is off to a strong start for the year, reporting record Q1 total revenue of $157 million, an adjusted earnings per diluted share of 43 cents, both exceeding expectations. Our business pace continues to be solid, with broad revenue outperformance across our solutions, driving top-line revenue growth and earnings leverage in the quarter, while simultaneously driving our increasing investment in the business. Our team continues to execute well, and our business momentum is accelerating, underscoring this strength and, growing, uh, and the growing demand for our cloud solutions. Uh, we achieved record bookings in Q1 with our RPO increasing 108% over the prior year and 36% sequentially to $421 million. With our forward revenue visibility improving and the inherent leverage in our model, we'll be increasing our 2021 guidance across the board. Equally important, our pipeline continues to grow nicely, with about 90% of the pipe consisting of cloud opportunities, and net new potential customers representing about 40% of that demand. And much of our success is bolstered by delivering the most innovative technological advancements in our industry. Our solutions are mission critical to our customers and our end markets. And now, with the need for modern, adaptable, scalable, and resilient supply chain, inventory, and omnichannel solutions never more apparent, we're in the early stages of extending our mind and wallet share. Additionally, uh, the secular tailwinds are numerous. Digital transformation of businesses, brick and mortar stores shifting to an innovative multifunction facility concept, the insatiable desire to get as close as possible to the end customer, creative inventory management strategies, and shorter fulfillment timelines are just some of the significant drivers that are aligning customer demand with our product strategy. 
And that unified platform is uh, industry leading and provides our customers with solutions that are scalable, versionless, and extensible. And this enables our clients to be adaptable and provide unmatched customer experiences. Now, with Manhattan Active Omni just entering its fourth year in the market and Manhattan Active Warehouse Management about to reach its first anniversary and on pace for innovation to set uh, innovation set our innovation set to accelerate on the heels of nearly $90 million invested in R&D just this year alone. We are strategically positioned for long-term sustainable growth. On the sales front, Competitive win rates remain strong at about 70% as our commitment to innovation keeps Manhattan Associates atop the industry. In Q1, about 25% of our cloud and license deals were from new customers. From a vertical perspective, retail, manufacturing, and wholesale drove more than 80% of our bookings in the quarter. And drilling in a little bit, the sub-verticals are pretty diverse as well, including apparel, department stores, food and beverage, industrial, as well as durable and non-durable goods. Our services group executed extremely well in Q1, conducting over 100 go-lives, and with demand for our expertise remaining high, we anticipate our services revenue will return to growth in Q2, and we continue to aggressively hire talent to meet the forecasted demand. Now, let me provide, if I can, some just some quick updates on our product portfolio, starting with our point-of-sale solution. Q1 was a pretty positive quarter for POS, both with respect to uh, go-lives and new customer signings. While early, pipeline opportunities are, are, are growing following a, a pretty quiet year in 2020. Now, on the go-live front, uh, we've got a number of implementations currently in flight, including a well-known specialty retailer that during the quarter went live with our point-of-sale application in a pilot store. And feedback from the store associates has been extremely positive, with commentary on its ease of use, speed, and responsiveness. And the retailer has started rolling out the system across their store fleet and will be complete in a few months. Then they'll turn their attention to activating the rest of our Manhattan Active Omni suite, including enterprise order management and store fulfillment. And when it comes to new point-of-sale customer signings, we're happy to announce that uh, we've got three additional projects that have been signed and kicked off in the last quarter. These include a well-known global apparel brand that will first pilot out point-of-sale application here in the U.S. this summer, and then pl plan to roll out the solution to their fleet of stores worldwide. This customer is already live on enterprise order management and saw the true sales and service advantage from having a unified order management and point-of-sale application. And that same advantage proved attractive for a long-time Manhattan active OMS customer in Canada who will roll out our point-of-sales solution across their fleet of apparel retail stores by early fall. And finally, uh, we've also kicked off a project at a well-known sports apparel and footwear customer. And this global brand will start by using our point-of-sale to uh, enable endless aisle capabilities in their stores, enabling their store associates to use mobile devices to capture orders for customers when a size or a color isn't available at that particular location. And once again, this point-of-sale usage will be an extension of an existing Manhattan Active Omni functionality uh, that is already deployed at that particular customer. And while the pandemic seemed to cause many of the store systems or much of the store systems activities to be put on hold, third-party integrators and industry research firms are now beginning to indicate that planned investments in point-of-sale are again showing signs of picking up. And because we are able to continue to invest heavily in our point-of-sale application throughout the pandemic, we believe that we're very well positioned for the inevitable need for a replacement cycle in point-of-sale and store systems in general. Now, turning to, to supply chain, uh, Q1 was another good quarter for our transportation management application. Just in recent weeks, we received word from Gartner 
that for the third year in a row, our application was one of the very few to be included in the leaders quadrant that in the recently published Gartner Magic Quadrant for Transportation Management Systems. And we've been able to maintain this important industry designation because of a continued investment in innovation within TMS and also the high levels of customer satisfaction uh, that we garner with our customers. The TMS market continues to be an active one for us as customers either move older on-premise deployments of TMS to the cloud or, or adopt new, a new TMS for the very first time. And generally speaking, cloud TMS customers um, or cloud TMS allows smaller customers to benefit from the power of a leading TMS solution. Now, speaking of supply chain applica applications in the cloud, we continue to see very favorable response from our Manhattan Active WM application. Launched almost a year ago now at last year's Momentum Conference, the number of Manhattan Active WM projects has surpassed two dozen. Our professional services team across North and South America and Europe remain quite busy preparing for a summer full of Manhattan Active WM go-lives. And additionally, our sales pipeline remains strong across both existing Manhattan WMS on-premise customers looking to go cloud-native and with opportunities with net new customers. Q1 was also a nice quarter for our demand forecasting and inventory optimization solutions as we continue to see both existing and new customers choose our cloud-based solutions to help them optimize their inventory levels across the enterprise. And finally, our product teams are hard at work preparing for our upcoming Momentum Connect 2021 conference in May. Uh, like last year, we'll be virtual, unfortunately, uh, but we're planning again to make some really important product announcements. For a number of years now, our product strategy has been centered around two key ideas, migrating our best-in-class functional capabilities to a truly cloud-native architecture, and secondly, delivering unified applications within our three main areas of focus, omnichannel, supply chain, and inventory. And at this year's conference, we'll announce yet another large step forward in making that vision a reality for our customers. So that concludes my business update. And with that, I'll pass it over to Dennis, who will provide you with an update on our financial performance and discuss our outlook for 2021. And I'll close our prepared remarks with a brief summary before moving to Q&A. So, Dennis, take it away. Thanks, Eddie. <clears throat> I would characterize our first quarter execution as an all-rounder. We delivered strong financial performance from top line to bottom line with across-the-board solid growth, profitability, cash flow, and balance sheet results. Here's a key summary of financial highlights with growth rates on a year-over-year -year basis unless otherwise noted. <clears throat> As Eddie mentioned, Q1 total revenue was $157 million up 2%. Adjusted earnings per share was $0.43, cents, up 8%. Gap EPS was $0.35. Cents, and overall uh, performance was driven by our cloud revenue in the quarter. Q1 operating income totaled $36 million, up 12% year-over-year. Adjusted operating margin was 22.7%, up 200 basis points and our GAAP operating margin was 16.2%. Q1 cloud revenue was $27 million, up 54%. License revenue was $7.8 million, down 19%, as our end markets are predominantly choosing our cloud solutions. And Q1 RPO was a record performance at $421 million, up 108%, in case you forgot from Eddie's comments, year over year, and up 36% sequentially. At our current full year outlook of 450 to $550 million, we are on track to exceed our $500 million midpoint. Further, cloud momentum is fueling our services pipeline and revenue growth opportunity. Q1 services revenue exceeded expectations totaling $80 million against an $87 million comp in Q1 2020. More importantly, 
Services revenue was up 13% sequentially over Q4 2020, with our growth outlook accelerating for the balance of 2021. Our Q2 services revenue forecast is $83 to $85 million, up 17% year over year. And for Q3 and Q4, our forecast calls for 20% year over year growth. Maintenance was up 1% on cash collections. The important point here, like license revenue, we do expect second half attrition on customer conversions to cloud, which will positively impact our RPO performance. And also, our hardware team delivered a solid $6 million in sales, up 56% year over year. So let me turn to cash and cash flow, another strong performance. Q1 closed with cash on hand totaling $197 million with zero debt. Operating cash flow was $40 million, up three and a half times year over year. And our Q1 free cash flow margin was 25%. Our current deferred revenue balance totaled $123 million, up 8% over Q4 2020 and 17% year-over-year on cloud billings. And also, we invested $27 million in share buybacks in Q1, and our board raised our buyback authority to $50 million. That's the results summary. I'll cover some additional financial updates and guidance, and then turn, turn the call back to Eddie. Our cloud revenue outperformance was mostly driven by positive deal timing, Overages and renewals. Overages and renewals can be lumpy on a quarterly basis. For Q2, we expect cloud revenue to be roughly up 46% compared to Q2 2020. For the full year, we are raising our previous cloud revenue estimate of 108 to $110 million to a range of 111 to $113 million, equating to 40% growth at the midpoint. As frequently mentioned, remaining performance obligation, or RPO, is the leading proxy for our cloud revenue. While we updated our RPO outlook to exceed 500 million midpoint for 2021, going forward, our intention remains to guide RPO on an annual basis as bookings can be lumpy, primarily based on sales cycle timing, and the number and relative value of large deals and product mix from quarter to quarter. Furthermore, on flow through from RPO to cloud revenue, some customers have longer implementation cycles associated with large projects requiring a multi-year annual subscription ramp built into the contract. These revenue ramps are commonly are common for larger cloud deals and with larger opportunities becoming more prevalent in our pipeline, we expect RPO growth to accelerate first, followed by a gradual steepening ramp in cloud revenue growth. Providing us with very good visibility into future subscription revenue. So all said, we are confident in our ability to achieve the high end of our prior 450 to 550 million RPO outlook for 2021. As discussed in our previous Q4 earnings call, we expect license and maintenance revenue attrition to accelerate in 2021, estimating license revenue to be in the range of 20 to $25 million for the full year, which represents a 41% year-over-year decline. For Q2, we anticipate license revenue to be approximately $6 million, and Q3 and Q4 to be about $4 million each quarter. For maintenance revenue, we continue to target approximately $35 million per quarter throughout 2021. And we expect the attrition impact will manifest itself for the most part in the second half of 2021. Our consolidated subscription, maintenance, and services margin for the quarter was 50.9% driven by revenue performance and cloud operating leverage. We expect Q2 consolidated subscription maintenance and services margin to be about 52.6%, improving 40 BIPs 
over prior expectations. Given the strong demand, we anticipate costs to tick up slightly in the second half on hiring and performance-based comp, with second half margin to be about 51.1% compared to our prior expectations of 51.5%. And for operating income and margin, we are increasing our full year 2021 guidance 50 BIPs, resulting in a midpoint of 21.5%, and we remain confident in our ability to make strong progress on achieving the rule of 40 over time. On a quarterly basis, we anticipate adjusted operating margin to be 22.5% for Q2, 21.2% in Q3, and 19.4% in Q4. Regarding taxes, our adjusted effective income tax rate was 21.5%. We expect our Q2 and full year 2021 adjusted tax rate to be 21.5% down from our prior expectations of 23%. The lower tax rate will benefit pro forma adjusted EPS by roughly three cents for the full year. Our GAAP effective income tax rate was 9.9% for the quarter, driven by excess tax benefits on restricted stock vesting. We expect our full year 2021 GAAP tax rate to be about 20%. Regarding our capital structure, in Q1 2021, we repurchased approximately 214,000 shares worth roughly $27 million. For the second quarter and full year, we estimate our diluted shares outstanding to be 64.8 million shares, which assumes no buyback activity. Also, for CapEx, we estimate uh, for 2001 uh, to invest about $6 to $8 million at this time. So that completes the core financial update, turning to increased 2021 guidance. For total revenue, we are raising guidance from our previous range of $595 to $625 million, which represented 4% growth at the midpoint, to a new guidance range of $625 to $640 million, targeting 8% growth at the midpoint of $632 million. As a reminder, this includes $22.5 million of revenue compression, equating to four percentage points of growth driven by license and maintenance attrition. For Q2, we expect total revenue of $154 to $159 million, or 15% growth at the $157 million midpoint. As we account for continued license attrition, we expect Q3 and Q4 midpoint total revenue growth to be approximately 7 to 8%. For adjusted earnings per share, we're increasing our previous guidance range of $1.44 to $1.59 to $1.60 to $1.70 with a midpoint of $1.65, up from our previous midpoint of $1.52. For GAAP earnings per share, our guidance range is $1.10 to $1.20 with a midpoint of $1.15, up from our previous midpoint of $1.04. For Q2, we expect adjusted EPS to be $0.42 cents to $0.44. Cents. And as previously discussed for operating margin, we are raising our target range to 21 to 22%. And for Q2, we expect an operating margin range of 22.3% to 22.7%. So in summary, our underlying growth fundamentals are strong, excluding license and maintenance, which are line items negatively impacted by our cloud transition because they are attriting at the midpoint of our Q2 and full year guidance, our pro forma total, 2021 total revenue growth is 23% for Q2 and full year 17%. So thank you. That covers my financial update, and I'll turn the call back to Eddie. Terrific. Thanks, Dennis. So we're very pleased with our strong start to 2021 and record results. While we continue to operate in a 
pretty turbulent global macro environment, we're confident in our ability to help deliver success for our customers and drive long-term sustainable growth for Manhattan Associates. Many of our customers and prospects are in the early stages of their digital transformation and even their move to the cloud. With our industry-leading innovation, technical and domain expertise, and the world's most talented and seasoned supply chain commerce employees, we believe that we are best positioned to help the industry modernize, which in turn creates a really exciting opportunity for Manhattan Associates. So with that, Jeff, we'd be uh, happy to take any questions. Absolutely. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask your questions, press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star 1 on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Terry Tillman from Truist Securities. Your line is open. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and congrats on the all-rounder um, here in uh, 1Q. Uh, Eddie, maybe my first question is for you, and then Dennis had a question for you. But uh, when you know, hearing about point of sale, that seems like forever ago when we were hearing about the early kind of success and the pipeline building. What I'm curious about is it's good to hear about some new deals starting to, to flow again and then projects moving forward. But could you maybe educate us on kind of what the point of sale kind of opportunities look like when, when you land one of those, you know, from a size and scale perspective, how does that compare to the OMS and WMS business? And, you know, is, is the pipeline activity continuing to build as we move into the, the second half of the year? Yeah, um, it, it does. It certainly seems that interest is picking up in the market, uh, Terry. You know, we're seeing that interest pick up. And as I mentioned in my prepared comments, you know, industry analysts and, uh, you know, the third party integrators and so forth seem to be indicating that, you know, after a, a gap year of 2020 where we, uh, stores spent a, a large part of the time closed <clears throat> as they reopen and, uh, a, an emerge really is, you know, multifunction Facilities, byline, curbside, um, boutiques, galleries, um, return centers for product support online, and so forth. Now, the systems that they have in place today uh, don't don't support those capabilities very well, uh, as well as all of the um, cross-selling and upselling that uh, certainly retailers want to do and manage, you know, maximize the inventory they they have across the network. So there certainly seems to be some you know some forward forward momentum there. Um, you know the the the, the uh, uh, position that we're in with point of sale being sort of an extension of our Omni or order management suite of solutions seems to be um, being pretty well received in the market. You again heard from my comments that you know most of our customers um, are seeing one or the other you know go first uh, on that you know on that roadmap because there's a real strategic advantage for them. Um, with with regard to the size of the opportunity. You know, the market's large, you know, as we know. We know the, the, the game, as it were, has moved from being a hardware game to a software game, um, and that's where the, the, the critical mass is beginning to, beginning to build. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to give you a, and I don't want to give you a specific, you know, ASP uh, of point of sale as it relates to order management and warehouse management, but, but suffice to say, um, is a huge opportunity out there, particularly, you know, when, when, uh, customers and retailers have a large store, you know, a large store network. And, uh, I mean, I, I guess I would just say, um, that it, 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 it certainly would not be unusual for, um, a point of sale opportunity to be in the same ballpark as, you know, a material WMS program or a material OMS program. Okay. That's great to hear. I guess, uh, maybe Dennis, for you, in terms of, uh, we were looking for $50 million of additional RPO in the quarter. You did over $100 million additional RPO. So, like, what I'm curious about is, it's a two-part question. One, you know, what are you seeing in terms of commitments? Are these still these kind of long-term, kind of multi-year commitments? Did anything change in duration? And then secondly, you know, that was a big beat. I'm curious, is it was it a volume and velocity of deal activity, or was it uh, did it benefit from some especially large deals? Just looking for a little bit more color on uh, the, the beat there. Thank you. Uh, uh, in terms of duration, no change. We're still hitting right at the five-year mark, given the mission critical and strategic nature nature of these solutions, Terry. 
And what I would tell you is, is you know, pretty diverse uh, spread of uh, bookings across the customer. There wasn't any material concentration of one customer uh, in the pool of deals that we closed in the quarter. Good volume and good velocity and good diversity as well. That's great. Congrats. Thanks, Siri. <clears throat> Your next question comes from the line of Joe Browink from Baird. Your line is open. Uh, great. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, just uh, stick with the, the RPO bookings. Uh, obviously, it, it doesn't happen without a good product, but uh, Eddie and Dennis, I'm wondering, you know, a lot of thematic uh, topics around the WMS category right now, be it, you know, new WMS pairing with robotics and automation, new WMS to manage uh, pretty tight labor constraints in the industry, you know, skew complexity with e-commerce. Are any of these factors you think driving maybe increased awareness or uh, ultimately would be kind of pipeline growth for you more than the others? Uh, or is it really just a combination of, you know, new product, embrace of the cloud, these thematic things all kind of happening at once? Well, it's, it's, I think um, you know the, 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 you've done a great, uh, great review of some of the some of the drivers there, Joe. Uh, but 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 you know the top of the list uh, is is uh, more immediate access to innovation. Um, uh, it's just we've talked about it before, but honestly, I feel like it's you know it's head and shoulders above above the other above the other drivers. With so many things changes in, changing in. Uh, supply chain, obviously digital transformation continuing to uh, accelerate. Uh, the, all those other things that you talked about, you know, are, are, are factors, but the need to be flexible, agile, and meet, you know, ever-changing business needs drives the need to get your hands on new innovation quickly. And uh, that, that I think, is, you know, the number one, number one reason. There's no question that uh, um, the, 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 the challenge finding IT talent and so forth puts pressure on our customers' organization. So that you know, having us manage the solutions and so forth is is helpful to them. Um, uh, you know, as a, as a corollary to it, but access to innovation would be number one. Okay, that that's helpful. And then you know, I think a lot of your prepared remarks were discussing just expansions at existing accounts across the full suite of, of omni-channel capabilities. And I would uh, imagine eventually, you know, that'll lead across you know, in the supply chain, across the entire kind of unified platform. Is it possible to give any maybe quantification? Uh, I don't know if it's not revenue retention, maybe, you know, a, a, some sort of cohort analysis, just a general sense, you know, what you're seeing with existing customers maybe a few years ago and, and how, kind of how their spend with Manhattan is evolving. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's, there's any, you know, any major change in terms of, you know, the our ability to cross-sell and upsell across the suite of solutions to be, to be honest with you, Joe, you know, we've had, we've had great customer retention over the world, uh, over the, over the years. Uh, we generally refer to it as maintenance, you know, as, as maintenance, uh, maintenance retention. Um, you know, still, still, it's true that a large percentage of our new software sales in every given quarter comes from you know existing customers. Um, but the good news is, with all you know, with all of that said, still a healthy number of new logos coming into the family. So um, I, I think a great balance there as we continue to uh, drive. Uh, innovation into the marketplace. You know, we 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 certainly expect to be able to um, uh, continue that cross sell and upsell, and, and especially as we do introduce new products to the marketplace. And we saw a little bit of that, you know, in in the last quarter with uh, point of sale, one of my our more recent product introductions. Yeah, Joe, I would say also, you know, 25% uh, of our software was net new customers in the quarter. And if you look at our pipeline, 40% 40 per, 40 of the pipeline is made up of net new customers as well. I think that goes to Eddie's story about the importance of uh, uh, innovation. And from a retention point of view, it's early days from a renewal point of view, but 
we're basically at 99 to 100% on uh, cloud renewal retention. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Your next question comes from the line of Yun Kim from Loop Capital. Your line is open. Great, thank you. So um, another super uh, congrats on another strong quarter, uh, Eddie, Dennis, and Mike. Um, so um, Eddie, good to hear that um, point of sales is coming back, um, which I take it um, that some parts of the retail vertical is coming back. So can you update us on uh, where we are in terms of the retail vertical coming back from the you know, the depth of COVID uh, early last year. And then also, um, can you update us on the competitive landscape in that retail vertical? Because I believe certain uh, vendors, you know, did take a step back when the retail vertical, um, you know, did slow down last year. Yeah, I, you know, well, well, certainly in terms of the, the journey uh, of, of retail, you know, coming back for us over the last, uh, shall we call it 15, you know, 15 months. During 2020, um, in the you know in, in the real depths of the pandemic, there was there was still a fair amount of activity. You know we saw that that first Q2 was pretty turbulent, but there a fair amount of activity on on the WMS side. Um, you know direct consumer shipments were increasing. Obviously the need for speed was there and so forth. So we sort you know felt fairly healthy amount of activity in WMS. The larger strategic Manhattan Active Omni projects. Um, went you know went a, went a little quiet last year, for, you know maybe for obvious reasons. There were smaller point projects with curbside and Bopus projects and ship from store projects and so forth. But the big Omni Channel um, projects seemed to wane a little bit. We're seeing that pick back up. Um, and then you know, again for obvious reasons, with many stores closed, store systems projects were. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a gap year in 2020, and again, we're starting to see point of sale and store systems projects begin to pick back up. You know, kind of across the board. So I'd say that's sort of been the journey across the solution suite over the last 15, 12, or you know, 12 or 15 months. You know, in terms of the competitive landscape, it hasn't changed a great deal, frankly. Um, Really, you know, competitors remain the same. They remain as active. We've got some terrific competitors competitors out there, and uh, you know, keeps us sharp and on our toes, and uh, and keeping innovating. Okay, um, thanks for that. And then um, Europe showed another strong sequential growth. Um, can you just talk about uh, what kind of trends you're seeing there, and whether or not uh, we can uh, whether or not we can continue to expect this positive trend out of Europe uh, for the remaining of the year? Uh, um, you know, the, the, the services business was particularly strong in, uh, you know, in Europe in, in, in Q1. Um, you know, we, we're starting to see just, just like here in the U.S., frankly, things begin to, begin to open up. Direct consumer growing has been growing over the last, over the last 12 months. So I don't think there's anything, you know, really very different in, in Europe that's, that's happening here. It's, it's, you know, pretty positive across the board. There are a couple of spots in APAC uh, that, are, that are a little uh, little slower than, than we might like. Um, you know, Australia is pretty strong, but you know, Japan's a little flat. Uh, frankly, China, you know, China's a little flat. But but uh, the, you know, there's smaller parts of the business, and we certainly expect those to, to cycle back up um, in, in the next couple three quarters. Okay, great. Um, I have one for Dennis. Um, uh, very strong cash flow for Q1, especially. Um, so it looks like the cash collection was especially strong in the quarter. Um, was there like a one-time um, thing that drove that cash collection, or is this some, you know, some sort of a trend uh, that's emerging as you start to have higher mix of uh, subscription billings and moving away from license deals? No one, no uh, one-time trend. You know what we have is a company that's super focused on, you know, as part of our DNA on cash. It was a record cash collections quarter for us, and really underpinning that is is really the growing subscription business. Okay, great. Thanks. Period. Yeah, twenty-five percent free cash flow margin. Yep. Thank you, Ian. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Chappelle from Benchmark. Your line is open. 
Hi, thank you for taking my question, and uh, congratulations on the quarter, guys. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, uh, Mark. Hey, Eddie, a question for you on active uh, WM. Uh, granted, I, I know it's still early, uh, but could you address whether you're seeing a different set of competitors with that solution than you did with your traditional on-premise products? And also, too, if you could just address uh, your active WM win rates and, and whether they're above the, the 70% average for, for all your products. Yeah. So, so you know, the pretty short answer is, Mark, nope, competitors are pretty much the same, um, you know, uh, today as they have been over the last, uh, well, even longer than this, but let's call it a couple, three or four, five, five years. So same competitive landscape. Uh, in terms of the, in terms of the win rates, um, you know, I, I don't have that right off the top of my head, but certainly they're strong. There probably might be a, you know, a tick above the, the, the 70%. Um, and, uh, you know, we feel pretty good about, pretty good about where we are. I think, you know, we've talked about this before. Generally, you know, generally when we, we, we don't come in first, um, you know, often it's a, it's a pricing challenge and so forth. Um, you know, uh, uh, but, uh, still feel pretty good about the, about the win rates. Okay, great. And then in your prepared remarks, you mentioned that the company was benefiting from, you know, a couple of uh, secular tailwinds, many of which you, you've mentioned in the past. But uh, this time you brought up something called creative inventory strategies. I was wondering if you could just clarify that a little bit more for us. Yeah, sure. Just, just I mean, really with with, with uh, an acceleration of buying line pickup in store, um, curbside, you know, curbside pickup and ship from store, it, it throws off. Um, traditional inventory uh, strat- <clears throat> excuse me strategies so so you know uh, because, because you don't know it, it's much harder to predict um, and forecast what those uh, the impact of those strategies are going to be on a store's inventory strategy um, you know re- you're not relying on walk-ins you know walk-ins anymore um, so so it requires frankly creative and sophisticated uh, a forecasting strategies and over the long term integration with an order management system so that you can you get a much better handle on what those um, you know more creative fulfillment strategies are going to look like across the store network and how they feed back in to inventory optimization. Thank you. Helpful. Good. Nice job in the quarter. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mark. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Peterson from Raymond James. Your line is open. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, so congrats on a really, really strong RPO this quarter. So, you know, maybe a follow-up to Terry's question. But just, you know, you, you talked about the duration, Dennis. I know you hit on that. But is there any commonality in, in, into what you're displacing or, you know, how you're thinking about sales cycles? It was just such a big step up. I'm just curious, you know, maybe what changed and, and kind of how did that trend versus your expectations? I don't think there's, um, you know, any, any, any trend. If we, you know, if we look back, my, my answer to that, Brian, would be, you know, if you think about particularly Manhattan Active WM, which, which drove a healthy amount of the bookings and, and of course the resultant, you know, RPO, um, you know, uh, it, it's about three quarters since we released, or it certainly was at the, you know, at the, at the end of the quarter, um, you know, the first quarter, most folks were, you know, figuring out what it was, what it looked like, and, you know, and so forth. And then we began to enter into sales cycles, and we st- really started picking up some sales cycle momentum for Manhattan Active, you know, Manhattan Active WM in, you know, kind of Q- Q4 and again in, you know, in Q1. So no, no big, no big change, no, you know, been a couple of questions around competitive landscape and, Secular trends and so forth. No big changes there, but I do think it has taken a, just a little while uh, to build momentum um, for an, an awareness and uh, and everything else in the solution. Yeah, Brian, we're almost we're almost equally split on conversions and net new customers on MAWM. So, uh, and as Eddie mentioned, we're already over two dozen. We've closed over two dozen deals there. So, all right. So, so off to a pretty good start with, with that. Just three quarters in, but uh, and, and maybe a higher level one, Eddie. Just you know, I don't want to take away your thunder, 
uh, for momentum next month. But just, you know, thinking about the innovation over the last several years, you know, uh, you know, point of sales, obviously a new product, but we've seen a lot of innovation on the WM side. I'm just curious, you know, as we sit here today, how much of your product efforts are really focused on, you know, enhancing your existing product offerings versus potentially building out things that are adjacent to the portfolio? Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this, when you, there's really sort of three, three prongs of Innovatech. We, we have plenty of ideas for new innovation inside of our existing solutions. We, 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 you know, we really do. Um, so, so we'll continue to innovate into our existing solutions, no question. We, we are certainly continuing to build out, you know, our product footprint with new products, the ability, and, and the ability to be able to cross-sell, upsell, and obviously help our customers. And, and then the third bucket is, is the real, you know, creative and innovative unification of the solutions. Okay? Because, because there's a, there's a level of unification um, and and, cap- and flat out capability that we can deliver to the marketplace through a component based set of microservices based um, solutions that could not be done before. Um, so unification, new innovation into our existing solutions, and you know footprint growth. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you, Brian. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Gutovics from Rosenblatt. Your line is open. Thank you. Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, two quick ones uh, in terms of outside North America pipeline. Curious where your sales capacity is relative to, uh, you know, perhaps levels you'd like it to be, uh, you know, perhaps in Europe. And then uh, speaking to APAC, sort of what's uh, what sort of the status there, what are the limitations in terms of, moving the needle uh, in APAC. And then, uh, Eddie, perhaps maybe looking through your POS uh, telescope, uh, just curious if you have uh, any incremental sense of yet on the pace of retail store reopenings, sort of level, you know, relative to the last you know, quarter or so, are we still seeing uh, sort of a slow uh, and steady uh, pickup, or is it uh, perhaps uh, speeding up a bit? Just anything incremental in the margin there. Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, so first of all, in terms, of, just in terms of you know, kind of overall overall dynamics and so forth, Europe's about twenty to twenty-five percent of our pipeline. Number one, um, in terms of sales capacity, we are not capacity constrained. We do have you know a couple of open spots in, in Europe. Um, frankly, we we say this a lot, but we've always got a few, you know a few open spots. Um, for domain experts uh, in our field, both Euro, you know Europe, um, APAC, and and in the US, but with US, but we're not capacity constrained. Um, you know, in terms of APAC, of course, APAC represents you know about six or seven percent of you know of our revenue, uh, and it's very important to us. It's certainly very important to our global customers, um, you know, and so forth. But uh, but it also represents a pretty diverse set of Countries, right? Japan, China, uh, Singapore, and Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, in Australia, spread across that six or seven percent. And and honestly, it's you know, we like many others talk about APAC as a region, but but boy, it is pretty diverse in and of its in and of itself. So there's there's no you know no again no particular uh, sales capacity issue there. Um, and country by country, almost. Uh, there are, you know, kind of different dynamics going on. I think we all know that Australia and New Zealand are in a, in a pretty good, in a pretty good shape. Um, things are pretty open, um, and, and, and businesses, businesses, you know, flourishing reasonably, you know, reasonably well there. Um, where, whereas some of the other countries are struggling, you know, struggling a little bit, uh, struggling a little bit more. With and, and then regard to, with regard to your second question um, around looking through the point of sale. Uh, telescope, I think you called it, um, and what we're seeing in terms of store openings. Obviously, Europe is, you know, is is opening up um, a good bit more uh, from a, 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 a trajectory perspective now, particularly in the, you know, in the UK. You know, here, obviously, we're pretty much full, you know, pretty much fully open across the board, and in the spots that are not, uh, uh, the, I think retailers are definitely feeling like it's pretty, you know, pretty close by. And beginning to feel 
the need for you know adaption and, and modernization in in those stores. Super, thank you. Appreciate it. Certainly, Mark. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of David Robinson from William Blair. Your line is open. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, I guess just a, a quick one around kind of the secular tailwinds that, that you've been experiencing. I guess given the, the increasing demand across the product portfolio and the amount of pilots that you guys have been able to put into play and potential customers further understanding the importance of omnichannel and cloud-based uh, supply chain solutions due to COVID. Have you experienced any shortening of the of the sales cycle or any acceleration there, or um, has it stayed about the same? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, so broadly speaking, no, the sales cycles have remained about the same. H- however, um, in the last 12 months, we have seen some uh, uh, what I would call smaller point projects uh, go faster. Right, so so when we were in the you know when we were in a situation where stores were closed and retailers wanted to use those stores as ship from locations, we saw we saw some ship from store projects you know accelerate. Um, we saw some some buy online pickup in store, some curbside pickup projects where where you know our customers came to us and said, listen, we, we got to be live in days, and uh, we've referred to in a, in, the, in a couple of previous earnings calls, I think, some examples where, you know, frankly, we turned on a dime and, and, and had buy online pickup in store solutions up and running with an existing customer, of course, in literally six or seven days. Uh, and even in situations where it was a new customer needed, you know, curbside pickup program, zero to live in six weeks. So, so we did see some of those small programs have very short sales cycles. But, uh, you know, overall, David, um, nothing, uh, honestly, has really changed at a a higher level and more strategic level. Got it. And I guess just to kind of build upon that, um, has there been any kind of discussion or or, or change in in sales strategy as you've seen kind of the success of being able to sell those small projects that obviously can can, – uh, lead to larger ones in the future, or is that kind of similar as well? No, not, not, not really, David. Um, you know, we, we've got a, a reasonably broad portfolio in the supply chain space, and there are certainly some of our solutions that are considered, you know, tip of arrow. Um, if you think about the distribution management side, sometimes slotting optimization projects or labor management projects on the transportation side, you know, look at transportation procurement or transportation modeling engagements, which would be considered tip of arrow for TMS, and same is true of Omnichannel and some of the ones that we've we've talked about. But that really isn't, you know, that really isn't a, a big change, you know, bigger change for us. I have to say that, you know, as we, uh, since we're focused largely on Tier 1 and, and Tier 2, usually those, custom, those companies have put a lot of thought into these transformational programs and, you know, intend to take their time with the sales cycle, but engage in larger initiatives with us. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my question. My, my pleasure, David. Thank you. That concludes our Q&A. And now back to Mr. Eddie Capel for final remarks. All right, very good, Jeff. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for taking the time to uh, um, uh, join the call today and get an update on our, on our Q1 2021. As I said, we're excited about uh, the quarter, uh, but uh, m- even more excited about our go-forward opportunity. And we'll look forward to speaking to you uh, about three, no- three months from now with our Q2 update. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.